It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at PenFed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Hello, everybody. Today's comment shout-out goes to Loli. Joe and Lori's relationship has nothing sexual about it. They were brother and sister. Even before he married Amy, it never made sense for them to marry. Even before Friedrich got into the picture. Why are people so against Friedrich marrying Joe? He was exactly what she needed. He was no consolation prize. He was older and she was more mature than the other girls her age. He loved children and teaching. So did she. He didn't care about worldly possessions. Neither did she. I could go on with this list. People love Joe, but they don't understand her at all. Also, it is sad that people don't believe in friendship between a man and a woman. End quote. You know, guys, I wrote an earlier intro to this episode. I like to write things by hand and then type them and record them. And I lost the draft that I wrote and I was really bummed because of that. So here is another try. When I think why people have problems with Friedrich, the first thing that comes into my mind is the complete misadaption and misinterpretation of the chapter friend, which we will tackle in this episode. I invited Christina from the Joe and Friedrich blog to talk with me about this. One of the main problems in the films is that the filmmakers often make it seem that Friedrich somehow criticizes Joe's writing in the book. It is not Joe's story that he is criticizing. It is somebody else's. And Jo herself does not like the stories that she has produced. Narrator even says that writing those stories caused her mental health problems, and she doesn't like sensationalism as a genre, and in the end she burns those stories. So when people like Reda Gerwig tell to millions of people in her interviews that Jo is some kind of a victim and Friedrich is a bully, it once again shows that she hasn't read the book, or if she has, she is lying to people about it, and she essentially is trying to make money by trying to frame Joe to be a martyr or a victim. But in the book, that was never the case. For me, this part in the chapter Friend, where Joe worked for this magazine and she struggled working there, always had a deeper meaning. Because for one, she did not believe to the agenda of this magazine. And second, the narrator says that doing the research for these stories gave her anxiety. So when Joe is working on this magazine, it has a very negative impact on her mental health. This was something that really resonated with me when I was in my 20s and I would reread Little Woman because I have worked in jobs that I did not enjoy and I'm not very proud of this. I was once in a school this was during the time when I was studying to become an instructor. In the first year, there were three people in my class who dropped out because they felt that 
Some of the teachers were rude to them. And there were people in the class who did not get along. And I had this lady in my class who was in her 50s and she didn't know how to use a computer. Then we had a computer class and she asked me to help her. And the teacher started to shout at me. Apparently I was interrupting her. And this lady who didn't know how to use computers, she dropped out the school as well. So there was constantly this very negative atmosphere. And I felt that some of the teachers were pressuring me to stay there. And I did for a while, but the way they treated us just became worse. And eventually I had a mental breakdown and I dropped out as well. It might have been a record for that school, how many people dropped out in one class. What happens to Joe is very relatable because, so if you go to school or if you are working in an environment where you are being treated very poorly, it can have a really big impact on your well-being and mental health and everyday life. When I read this chapter, I guess you could say that it was almost therapeutic for me because Joe wanted to leave that environment. She didn't know how, and Friedrich kind of gave her the strength to do that. And it is so sad that there is not any Little Woman adaptation which would actually tell the real story what happened when Joe was working in the weekly volcano. They just go with the route. Friedrich didn't like Joe's writing, which was never the case. Friedrich likes Joe's writing, her poems, her realistic stories. And Joe doesn't even show him the sensational stuff because Joe herself is ashamed of them. I almost find it offensive that the movies and the TV shows don't tell that story, the story that actually happens in A Little Woman. And now Christina and I will tell you that story. A lot of you have requested that we would tackle this chapter, and I am very glad that we did. This is Little Woman Podcast, a show at the Sensational Stories. here today because I think you have some of the best thoughts I have read about this chapter, the chapter friend, which is very much misunderstood in my opinion among a lot of people who say they know little women, especially filmmakers. I was just thinking that when I came across the name Dashwood, and I was like, oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, I was just like, there it is. <laughs> no, there's that Mr. Dashwood who, um, she goes to uh, the Daily Volcano that wants her to write the sensational story. And most of the time, films have it where he's the hero. But really, you know, she doesn't, Joe doesn't like him at all. Yes, and we will get into that. Why she doesn't like him. I think it's going to be a good discussion. So very happy in the social atmosphere about her. And very busy with the daily work that earned her bread and made it sweeter for the effort. Joe still found time for literary labors. The purpose which now took possession of her was a natural one to a poor and ambitious girl, but the means she took gain her and were not the best. She gained her end were not the best. She saw that money conferred power, money and power, therefore, she resolved to have, not to be used for herself alone, 
but for those whom she loved more than herself, the dream of filling home with comforts, giving Beth everything she wanted, from strawberries in winter to an organ in her bedroom, going abroad herself, and always having more than enough, so that she might indulge in the luxury of charity, had been for years chose most cherished castle in the air. Right here I see a parallel between Joe and Amy, because Joe takes sort of a wrong way to achieve her castle in the air, and then we have Amy who thinks about marrying a wealthy man just so she could support her family, and Joe does the same, but with writing sensationalism. It's one of those things where people forget that she's not writing sensational stories because she firmly believes in it, but rather because she knows it's what's the end thing now, and that's what's going to help give money to her family, which is what they're struggling with. I mean, even if it is something that you're just kind of like, and about, if it pays and in your mind it doesn't hurt anyone, then why not do it? This chapter, I actually think it's almost like a, an inner dialogue that Louisa May Alcott had because we know that she wrote sensational stories. And um, I think she was quite ashamed of them at some point, especially because she did not like the real-life Mr. Dashwood, uh, Frank Leslie. And it's interesting because I feel like a lot of people have this experience when they are younger especially in the art fields, you work in a place that you are not 100% sure of, but because uh, you need some experience, you easily get exploited by these kind of magazines or BuzzFeed or <laughs> any kind of big company. Right, yes. Like when you said that, all I could think of is the unpaid internship. They do all this work and running around and get bust their butts and all the harsh criticisms and they don't even get paid but it's all for the quote-unquote experience but pretty much we all know that the experience won't fully be that because once you actually get paid and you know have a position people don't treat you as poorly as that it's just really one of those things that i feel like this is one of the most relatable chapters because haven't we all done what we could to help when you're poor you're working middle class you know a little sad that so many filmmakers entirely ignore this this part of the story because they just make it this big argument between Joe and Fritz which is not in the book 
I think it would make such a good social commentary into a Little Woman adaptation to show that this kind of things happen still today. Young people go and work in these big companies and free internships, and they are like in the bottom of the. <laughs> yeah, it's hard. It's hard. Taking charge of your future starts with taking the first steps. And saving up to $30 a month on Cox Internet with the Affordable Connectivity Program makes those steps easy to take. Whether they bring you to click upload on your first short film or join now for an online book club. Applying is easy. See if you qualify at cox.com slash ACP. Non-transferable one per household application and eligibility decisions are made by the FCC. offensive towards Joe's character to say that she loved writing sensational stories when in the book she doesn't. Right. And again, like I said earlier, you know, when she's faced with these 
theory. <laughs> I was actually thinking about this. You know how in the 1994 film, Larry, when he proposes, he says that Joe doesn't need to write once they get married. And uh, it's also in the book when Joe says that, oh, he would not like her scribblings. But then I was thinking in the 2017 series and then in the 2019 film, I don't think they included the part where Laurie says to Joe that she doesn't need to write when they marry. And when I have read interviews from Greta Gerwig and Heidi Thomas, who wrote those versions, they both wanted Joe and Laurie to get there. In both of these versions, there's this big argument between Joe and Friedrich about her writing. So could it be just Joe and Laurie shippers being biased? I, I think it might be. Yeah, I don't know. And I and just looking back on the history of the movies, I think part, part of it too could just be that some filmmakers, I, I won't say for all of them, kind of relied on the other movies because I'm just thinking about the Catherine Hepburn one where he shows her uh, her work from the weekly volcano and they don't get her that, that and the June Allison one, they, there's not necessarily this fight, which I think is comparatively, I guess, a little bit better than some of the other ones. Just a actual discussion, truly, because, you know, uh, those ones do. Again, I think that's also where a lot of people think, like, oh, this proposal comes before uh, New York. I want 
I think it's almost like they want to switch Friedrich and Lori because, you know, in the 1933 and 1949 films, when Joe, when Laurie proposes Joe, it is more of an, a fight, more of an argument. And then in these newest adaptations, it's not that much of an argument. It's like, oh, poor Laurie. <laughs> so they kind of switch this. They give this Joe and Laurie argument to Joe and Friedrich. And I don't know why. I think it's just because they're biased. Yeah. her growth as a writer because when we are in this chapter Joe already knows that writing sensationalism is not 
Whether a date night or family holiday outing, Meadowlark's Winter Walk of Lights is the perfect way to experience the magic of the holidays. The half-mile walk through Vienna's enchanting Meadowlark Botanical Gardens features lighted nature themes and sparkling displays. Get your tickets now at winterwalkoflights.com. Extend your holiday season and beat the rush with a weeknight visit in November or early December. Plan your visit and buy tickets at winterwalkoflights.com. That's winterwalkoflights.com. When you save on auto insurance for driving safe with USAA SafePilot, you'll feel like a big deal. Even in a traffic jam. Save up to 30% with USAA SafePilot. Restrictions apply. It's not good literature because she calls it trash. And it's, I think it's a couple chapters before this when she wrote her first story and it became a flop. And that was because she wasn't really that good at having that self-criticism because she took, you know, the advice from Marmy, from her father, from Beth, from everyone in her family. And then she put all of that into this first novel. And that's why it wasn't successful. She didn't really know what, what kind of writer she was. She didn't really know how to sort of take the good from this story that she wrote. So I think this is such a good uh, chapter, how it describes Jo's journey as a writer. Because we can see her development, because she knows that, you know, she wants to keep these moral lessons, but the editor thinks they are not good, they don't sell well. And I think there is even a quote here where the narrator like says that, like slyly, that, oh, the, the editor was wrong, the morals do sell. <laughs> and I think that it's, I think that it's good when when you said about you know how she had her family tell her like oh yeah this is good and and let's be honest family can be a little biased they you know they know like they can see that you have potential but they just you know they go oh that's so great like and not that that they're necessarily lying to your face either but they want you to and they want you to have faith in yourself and they can like I said they can be a little biased and you know it may be great to them because it's like oh good job Joe that was wonderful but really out there to let's just say a random stranger and just be like it's alright like so having someone like Friedrich who who knows her well enough to know what she's capable of but isn't like so caught up in his emotions that he can he's able to separate his feelings or her writings and go all right well this is good but here's some criticism and because she trusts him so well and likes him so much that she can take his criticisms with a good heart like right here i'm quoting she valued his esteem she coveted his respect she wanted to be worthy of his friendship and just when that wish was sincerest, she came near to losing everything. And that's when it goes with the weekly volcano. But she she values what he says. I mean, she's the one that goes to him to say, would you mind reading my papers, like reading my stories? It's not him bugging her to read it or anything. And she shows what she thinks is the better of her work. And and that's why she takes his 
he knows that he's educated and that and we're worldly even. But ultimately it's because she respects him and values his opinion. He believes in her and wants her to do better that he gives her his copy of Shakespeare. Like that's such a very intimate and thoughtful gift that the fact that he's like, I believe in you and not just the lens, but here's a Christmas gift, here you go. Because I have that much faith in you. Like that's very that is so sweet and that's so wonderful. And yeah, I just it's again one of those things where nobody I think really mentions at all in, in that regard of just how well she respects and values his opinion. Quote well, Mr. Bear in one of their conversations had advised her to study simple, true, and lovely characters wherever she found them as good training for a writer. Joe took him for his word, for she coolly turned around and studied him, a proceeding which would have surprised him had he known it, for the worthy professor was very humble in his own conceit. She, one, can take criticism. Like, it's a very short passage, but she can take criticism, and actually applies it because other not only studying Shakespeare but she then tries to study people that are around her and you know one of the more interesting ones she found at least was him Professor Bear. So yeah, I don't know I feel like it would have been if, if filmmakers decided to actually show what a good at least as a you know, friend at that moment Joe finds to be well enough to share her writings. I mean, personally for me, trying to share my process of writing is kind of is a little intimate. Like, I'm just like, uh, here, I trust you enough to, to read it and, you know, I'll take your criticism, but I, deep down I'm hoping you like it enough. <laughs> like, so, yeah, I feel like that other than, like, her family and Laurie, that she's not writing these stories around, like the ones that she truly feels are her best work. And and I think that shows a lot of growth in Joe because she's kind of knows she's a little bit closed off at times. And so that at this point, she's showing that she can open herself to new people and, and to trust to take criticism better than she may have done before, which is, I, I I think that was the moment for me in the 2019 film where I was just like, oh, I'm going to hate this. When she gets mad at Friedrich, again, he's just very calmly saying, you know, it's their criticism, and she's screaming at him and acts like a five-year-old. You're mean, and I don't want to be your friend anymore. And I'm like, oh, no. Okay. Please. Oh, this is going to be bad, isn't it? <laughs> The prize story experience had seemed to open a way which might, after long traveling and much uphill work, led to this delightful chateau and esponge, uh, sorry, that's not correct, but, but the novel disaster quenched her courage for a time. Her public opinion is a giant which frightens short, uh, stouter-hearted Jack on bigger beanstalks than hers. Like that immortal hero, she reposed a while after the first attempt, which resulted in a tumble and the 
least lovely of the giant's treasure, if I remember rightly. But the up again and take another spirit was as strong in Joe as in Jack. So she scrambled up the shady side of this time and got more booty, but nearly left behind her what was far more precious than money bags. So here we have, like, but the noble disaster quenched her courage for a time. So this refers to her first book that was a flop. It's just like you said, she's kind of nervous to show those writings that she's very proud of. She's like preparing for the next big leap, but she's very frightened about it. About it. And it's interesting, this part about public opinion. I am not a writer, but every time when you put out something creative, there is some kind of fear. Is it going to be a success or is it going to flop? Oh, yeah. You know, for, for anyone from writers to artists, you know, even I know that some people that I fellows make like gifts on Tumblr, they're worried that they're, it's not going to get enough notes, particularly reblogs, because like they put in all that time and effort and they're really proud of it. And it's like, I did it so that way, not only when you can see how good I do this, but to help share it with other people and it's like when nobody wants to share it it's like why does why do I even try because you you're trying to do it to connect maybe with people or to try to share with something that maybe you think another person would feel the same you know I always think of Toni Morrison's quote when she said that there's a book you want to read but it hasn't been written yet then you must write it I always think, like, well, I know that there's going to be somebody out there who's thinking of wanting the same story as the story that I'm thinking of. Like, there's always, there's got to be someone out there who thinks, I want a story that's like this, but they can't put their finger on it, and once it's out there, it's like, oh, this is something I always wanted to read. So, yeah, I, I think that wanting public opinion on one hand can be seen like, oh, little, like, you don't need to worry about what they think, but it's like, well, if you want this to be a career, you kind of want public opinion, but you also want to still maintain yourself, too, uh, which that can be a fine line to peter on as Joe learns in this chapter. It's like when I was doing some of the episodes for this podcast, and I made the one about with my book in Germany and then Goethe, I didn't know if people liked them because I thought they might be a bit too academic for people. But then now they are like some of the most downloaded episodes. So I think, all right, maybe it was a good thing that I decided to put them there. I was convinced that nobody was going to listen to them because I thought they were too too academic. So I, I was wrong. And it's good. Yeah. You know, there's always something for everyone. I mean, that's that's something I've come to sort of understand. Like, just because maybe this portion of the population isn't interested in a story like this, that doesn't mean this other part of the population isn't. True. Like, I always just think of that moment in a Rocky Horror Picture Show when Janet is like, oh, I don't like my men, you know, tan and... Uh, muscular and 
something and Curly's like, well, I didn't make it for you. Like, <laughs> like when people are like, well, I don't really like this. Well, I didn't make it for you. I made it for the people who would like this. So you cannot like it as much as you want, but I'm making this for the people who do want this. So, yeah, you gotta just, I, I try to keep that in mind whenever I write anything or put anything out there or participate in something that there's gonna be someone who will like this. You know, there's always at least somebody out there. That is true. Then we are approaching the day. Weekly Volcano. She took to writing sensation stories. For in those dark ages, even all perfect America read rubbish. She told to no one, but concocted a thrilling tale and boldly carried it herself to Mr. Dashwood, editor of the Weekly Volcano. She had never read Sartre Resartus, but she had a womanly instinct that clothes possess an influence more powerful over many than the word of character or the magic of manners. So she dressed herself in her best, and trying to persuade herself that she was neither excited nor nervous, bravely climbed two pairs of dark and dirty stairs to find herself in a disorderly room, a cloud of cigar smoke, and the presence of three gentlemen sitting with their heels rather higher than their hats which articles of dress none of them took the trouble to remove on her appearance. Somewhat daunted by this reception, Joe hesitated on the threshold, murmuring in much embarrassment, Excuse me, I was looking for the weekly volcano office. I wish to see Mr. Dashwood. These men are really rude because they don't take away their hats. <laughs> hey, they don't even do the bare minimum, like, even back then, and again makes me kind of angry how some movies portray Mr. Dashwood as some kind of a hero. He really doesn't have any respect for Joe. Yeah. Right here in the beginning. And I, and I just kind of think of um, I think it's the 94 version of one on Rider one where the I presume it's him if I'm remembering it correctly but he doesn't even look at her papers he just like has her little binder just tapping his cigar on it, letting the ash fall. And he's just like, well, we're not interested in fairy stories. So go on to women's magazines. Mm. And then doesn't even look at her when he says that last part. He's just like, hey, go, I'm paying attention to somebody else. Like, So it's like, why, yeah, why would anyone try to make Dash would be this, what a hero for helping to get Joe published when, and yeah, he just kind of dismisses her works. And, and in that one, in the, again, the 94 version, she has to lie and say Joe rather than Josephine. Like, 
or Joseph, you know, she has to be like, oh yeah, a man wrote this in order for her work to be taken seriously. Like if, if he was a true publisher who really was interested in good works, he wouldn't care who wrote it, just as long as the story was good. Obviously, as we learn in just a few short paragraphs, she doesn't even own up the stories herself. Down went the highest pair of heels, rose up the smokiest gentleman, and carefully cherishing his cigar between his fingers, he advanced with a nod and a countenance expressive of nothing but sleep. Feeling that she must get through the matter somehow, Joe produced her manuscript and, blushing redder and redder with each sentence, fluttered out fragments of the little speech carefully prepared for the occasion. A friend of mine desired me to offer a story just an, ed, an experiment, would like your opinion, be glad to write more if this suits. When she blushed and wondered, Mr. Dashwood had taken the manuscript, was turning over the leaves with a pair of rather dirty fingers, and casting critical glances up and down the neat pages. Not a first attempt, I take it, observing the pages were numbered, covered only on one side, and not tied up with ribbon. Sure sign of an honest. No, sir, she had some experience and got a prize for a tale in the Boami Stone Banner. Oh, did she? And Mr. Dashwood gave Joe a quick look, which seemed to take note of everything she had on, from the bow in her bonnet to the buttons on her boots. Well, you can leave it, if you like. We've more of this sort of thing on hand than we know what to do with at the present. Well, I'll run my eye over it and give you an answer next week. Now, Joe did not like to leave it, for Mr. Dashwood didn't suit her at all. But under the circumstances, there was nothing for her to do but bow and walk away, looking particularly tall and dignified, as she was apt to do when nestled or abashed. Just then, she was both, for it was perfectly evident from the knowing glances exchanged among the gentlemen that her little fiction of my friend was considered a good joke. And a laugh produced by some inaudible remark of the editor as he closed the door, completed her discomfiture. Half resolving to never return, she went home and walked off her irritation by stitching pinafores vigorously, and in an hour or two was cool enough to laugh over the scene and long for the next week. She really doesn't like this guy. <laughs> no. I heard it being like, right away, she just did not like him. She did the best that she could to just kind of walk out and feel a little, try to take some dignity with her. And and that's always the worst, you know, when you know people are laughing at you. So I definitely know how much that can really hurt and make you angry. So I don't blame Joe because, you know, particularly since it's something that she's trying to work on to be serious about. And the fact that they can't even accept the fact that maybe she is a little uncertain. Sure, your friend. Yes, we'll look at what your friend has written. They just immediately just kind of dismiss and laugh at her, you know, when she's barely out the door even. I like that in the 1994 film because you can see that Cho is very insecure when she goes to meet Mr. Dashwood. One of the biggest problems that I had with the 2019 film was that it was trying to 
mix the two editors, Mr. Dashwood, and then the actual editor of Louisa May Alcott, uh, Thomas Niles. And Thomas Niles was Louisa May Alcott's very close friend, and Mr. Dashwood, obviously, she did not like because he's based on Frank Leslie, who was this media house owner in 19th century, and Louisa May Alcott wrote those sensational stories for him. And Frank Leslie, he lived this very lavish lifestyle. I think I have a quote here somewhere about his work. This was a time when, like, sensational press started to become more of a bigger deal. When Alcott was in her early 20s, she worked for New York magazine called Frank Leslie's Weekly Illustrated Newspaper. Weekly Illustrated Newspaper was part of Yellow Press. Newspapers were being sold with biased or emotional impressions rather than objective journalism. So it was not a very fact-based publication. I think nowadays we would might call that fake news. Yeah. <laughs> or something like that. Very biased and emotional way to suck people to read these stories and then spread disinformation. So if you work in this kind of magazine, I am not at all surprised that Louisa May Algo did have this internal battle, like what she's doing, because obviously she needed the money. But then, like you said, she was the daughter of a preacher, and Joe is the daughter of a preacher. She has very high morals. So, yeah, inner conflicts. Yeah, and too, when you think about the time period, like, nowadays we're a little bit more, I don't want to say loose, because I don't think that's really true. I think we're, could say maybe a little bit more liberal with thought, and we're now past the sort of thoughts of like, oh, if, a, like if you're not Christian, and you are, you're unworthy, or you're not a good person, like, we're past like those kind of like, very one sort of track mind, or at least we should be, like, we should be a little bit more open-minded. I guess that's really what I'm looking for. We're a little bit more open-minded. But back then, they were a little bit more strict with their morals, with their beliefs, and and that definitely, you know, comes with, I mean, this is set in, like, the 1860s to, like, early 1870s or so, um, which is definitely Queen Victoria's time, and, you know, when you, when you notice, like, a little bit of history, the Victorian era was a very strict moral, Victoria took over because her style was definitely a lot more strict and covered and not as loose, because the Regency era is, got their inspiration from the ancient Greeks and ancient Romans. So that's your little fun fact of the day. So, but definitely when, you know, that's definitely at peak Victorian era, which was very more strict on morals and what is considered right and wrong. So, so it, it, it's not surprising, let's just say, even if Alcott doesn't have like, a preacher for her dad or even Joe too, they still live in a society where the idea of religion is a very important and strong factor of your daily life. 
Thank you so much for listening. Take care and make good choices. Bye. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchases, over prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.